But uh, so they're going to be planning to do health center and that as well. So that's coming up here in a couple of weeks. Uh, we are in the middle of our series, uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor? Uh, and uh, we're in week four. Uh, this series has been really great, challenging us uh, to reach across the aisle, right, in regards to some of us in this very room, and then also to reach across the street. Pastor Jeff preached about that the first week about what it means to reach across the street and to uh, touch base with your neighbor. Uh, my wife actually had a real kind of like a real-time experience with that uh, as she met a lady in Walmart uh, as they were talking about mom things uh, in, in one of the aisles there, and they ended up exchanging numbers. So now my wife's got a new friend. It's like crazy. I'm like, wow, I don't have any new friends. I guess I'm not really taking Pastor Jeff's messages as serious as I should be, because my wife now has a new friend in life, all because she's taking this to heart. Uh, so it's been an awesome opportunity, challenging us to see our world and see the opportunities to exemplify characteristics of God. Last week, Pastor Todd did such an amazing job, did such an awesome job talking about changing the narrative and how important that is for us to change the narrative of what's being said over us, what's being spoken over us, the lies that the enemy could try to throw at, throw at us. And he encouraged us to change the narrative and understand that we overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony and the power that our testimony has in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, I love that so much. The gospel of Jesus Christ really, truly has the power to set us free and allow for us to walk in a different identity if we'll allow it. And so I just really love that when Pastor Todd was sharing that. I believe that when we allow the gospel to become fluent in our hearts, to become fluent in our lives, then we start to see the fruit of the gospel blooming in our life. And when the fruit of the gospel blooms in our life, people are attracted to that. People are attracted to the fruit of our lives. So when we allow the gospel to impact us in that way, man, it's such an awesome, awesome thing. I, uh, I'm looking out right now, and I, and I see Phil and Raina hanging out here. Can I tell you, Raina's garden is popping, okay? I've seen this garden, okay? This thing makes no sense. But when I see it, I'm like, I got to have what's in this garden, okay? I got to have some of these peppers over here. I got to have some of this eggplant that's over here. Because when people see fruit blooming, naturally, what we want to do is partake in that. So in our lives, how much more so should we be making sure that the fruit of the gospel is evident in us? Make sense? Yes? Thumbs up if you understand. Great. I do this in youth all the time. So they're always like, Whoa. Sometimes kids are like, I don't really understand. Okay. But it is what it is. So the goal of our series, the goal of our series, or one of the goals of our series, is for us to have an understanding of what it means to be good neighbors. And what it means to allow people around us to see Jesus in us. Not just the people in this room, but especially the people in our communities, in the spaces that we occupy. And so in regards to our series, the title of today's message is Come to the Table. Come to the Table. Did you know that there is great significance in a table? There's great significance in a table. Tables connect people. Tables bring people together. Oftentimes when we're thinking about a table, we're thinking about a dinner table. And I've had a few dinners in my lifetime. 
I know what I'm talking about. Tables are this powerful thing. It allows for people to be pulled into this intimate nucleus of a family. When we look at the state of the world, I wonder if some things would not be rectified in this world if we spent more time around tables, getting to know one another, looking each other in the eye, learning each other's stories. The table is such a significant part of what it means to be invited into somebody's tribe. And when we look at Scripture, right, Jesus, or when we look at Scripture, God uses a lot of familial tribal language to identify what he wants to accomplish in us, right? He, he calls us his children. We call him father. Scripture tells us that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. All of this language seems to highlight this idea of a family, of a nucleus. And when we look at Scripture, a lot of times in Scripture, they're hanging out over a meal. They're breaking bread with one another. And then when we flip through the, through the entire Bible and get to Revelations, what we see at the end is everything kind of culminates at what? A table, a grand supper known as the marriage supper of the Lamb. God wants us to understand this concept, how powerful tables can be. My question for us today, or a couple questions that I have for us today, is what are we doing with the tables that we have in our own home? If Scripture shows this beautiful coming together over tables time and time again, I wonder how our tables compare to the Lord's table. How our tables compare to the Scriptures as they over and over again highlight this beauty of breaking bread together. I'm reminded even right now in this moment, there were moments where the nation of Israel was at war with another country, and rather than go out to the battlefield to fight, the king instructed his armies, he said, why don't you guys go prepare this meal? And they're like, are you serious? These people want to kill us. They go and they prepare this meal in the middle of the battlefield, and they invite their enemies to come and sit with them. And that's exactly what they do. The enemies come, they sit, they eat. There's power in tables. And I'm wondering how ours compare to God the Father. Today, our passage of Scripture comes from Luke chapter 14, verses 15 through 24. So if you have your Bibles or you have your Bible app, you can... Open that up, or you could flip there if you'd like. We're going to read that passage of Scripture in a moment. But before we get to that passage of Scripture, I want to give you some context about what's happening in this moment. So prior to all of this that we're about to read, Jesus has been invited into the house of a Pharisee. It's also the Sabbath. And so on the Sabbath, he's being invited by the Pharisees. But the Pharisees have really, truly invited him because they're trying to trap him again, right? They're trying to expose him. And so they call him to be a part of this, this meal. And Jesus attends. And while he's there, there's a man who has edema or dropsy. And, and he's sitting there and Jesus sees him 
And he asks them the question he's putting, you know, he understands the game. They're trying to trap him, so he traps them by saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? And, you know, obviously that's a very taboo thing for that culture in that time. To do any type of work on the Sabbath, it is a day of rest. You're not supposed to do anything. But Jesus, instead being who he is, decides to heal this man. And in the midst of healing this man, turns this whole moment into a couple different lessons. Jesus finds himself in this space, and looking at this man who has edema, most people would understand that this guy is kind of a reject, he's kind of a throwaway, he doesn't really kind of belong to be seated at the table in this way, but then Jesus starts to tell them, he's like, listen, be careful how you come and seat yourself when you're a guest at someone's table. Allow for that person to seat you in a place of honor, as opposed to believing that you deserve this specific seat of honor. And then one of the men at the table says, well, you know what? Ah, this is how I feel. I feel like those who come before God on the feast of the Lamb, they will be blessed. And Jesus turns it into a whole nother lesson. If you have your Bibles open and you're ready, I'm going to read along here. I have it queued up here. It says, when one of those at the meal was with Jesus, heard this, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will feast in the kingdom of God. But Jesus said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many guests at the time for the banquet. He sent his slave to tell those who had been invited, come, because everything is now ready. But one after another, they all began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going out to examine them. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married and I cannot come. So the slave came back and reported to his master. Then the master of the household was furious and said to the slave, go out quickly to the streets and the alleys of the city and bring in, bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Then the slave said, sir, what you instructed has been done and there is still room. Then it goes on to say, so the master said to the slave, Go out into the highways and the country roads and urge people to come in so that my house will be filled. For I tell you, not one of those individuals who were invited will taste my banquet. Now, this is kind of like a funky passage of scripture, right? Like this is a, in in context of what's taking place, because Jesus has just addressed this idea that you should humble yourself in expecting a specific type of seat at the table, and these guys, obviously, in their hearts, are kind of looking at this guy with dropsy, with disdain. Jesus wants to make a point here that you who feel that you are entitled at a seat at the table will find yourselves missing out because you're making excuses when God is present. See, Jesus is already there. Jesus is the focus. But for, these, for the Pharisees, they can't see it. They've been rejecting Jesus this entire time. And Jesus clearly sees this and lets them know that if they are the ones who choose to not entertain the invite to the table, by all means possible, he will go and rescue those who are broken, those who are blind, those who are rejected, and he will fill his house. I love this. I love this because Jesus is turning this whole situation on its head. And I wonder if we have the same heart about our table. 
I wonder if we have the same heart about our table. Again, Jesus makes it very clear. Listen, don't invite people who you know can give you what you are expecting in return. Invite people who can offer you nothing. Invite people who have nothing to offer you because of the goodness in your own heart and because of the goodness of God. Why don't you reach out to others who can't do anything for you and invite them to your table? See if the kindness of God that flows through you can't draw them into deeper relationship with Jesus. I love it. As I was reading this passage of scripture, as I was kind of breaking some of this stuff down, I, I started to kind of feel like maybe there are some things that I kind of picked out and observed in this passage of scripture that maybe pertain to us when it comes to inviting people to our own tables. I want us to see how this passage can invite, can encourage us to invite people to our own tables. Again, tables are a place where people connect. It's a place where people uh, invite people to the depths of who we are. I mean, it's this intimate space. And maybe sometimes there's some hesitation, but hopefully by looking at this passage and a couple observations that I've laid out, we can come to see that we need to be inviting people to the table. If the goal is the marriage supper of the Lamb, and we see God throughout all of Scripture constantly inviting people to break bread with him, it would make sense that for us as followers of Jesus Christ, hmm, maybe we should take heart and steward the tables in our lives in the way that God would want us to. The tables that God has blessed us with The tables that God has put in our hearts, they are there for us to steward here on earth in a way and in a manner that draws people to him. So I want to give you four observations on inviting people to the table. First observation is this. We invite people to the table because God invited us. We invite people to the table because God invited us. This is so critical. If, I mean, I'm just going to be very, very blunt, very direct, very honest. This isn't rocket science, right? If, if we call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, then our posture by nature, or excuse me, by surrender, or by acceptance of Jesus Christ is surrender. We need to surrender to the ways of God, to the walking of Jesus. And if that is so, then we need to understand this. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 says, uh, that Jesus, this is Jesus speaking to the crowd. He says, then he said to all of them, if anyone wants to become my follower, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. We follow the example of Jesus Christ. What he has modeled for us is an invitation to those who cannot offer anything to him. He doesn't look at people and say, well, can you give me this in return? No. He's like, man, you can't give me anything? doesn't matter. I want you here. I want you at my table. You and I have to come to this same mentality where we don't hold this type of discrimination with our own table, but that we say, you know what? I want to invite you over for a meal. I want you to come sit at the table with my family. I want you to see our tribe. I want you to see how this functions in my life. Romans chapter 5, verse 9, Jesus, or it says this, For just as through the disobedience of one man many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man many will become righteous. What I'm trying to say here is this, is we see a life of obedience from Jesus Christ. Surrender to God the Father. And if Jesus found in himself 
the necessity to surrender to God, I would hope that if you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, you would also see the necessity for us to surrender to the model that God has laid out before us. And what God has laid out before us is he makes the invitation. He invites people to the table. Even when we look back at our passage of scripture, he invites the lame, the crippled, the, the blind. Can we all understand that that is us? We are the broken. We are the blind. That's what we were. We were knee deep. I mean, maybe some of us more than knee deep, neck deep in our sin. And yet God extended an invitation to you. So it would make sense that for us, Inviting people to the table is something that we do because that's what God did. It's what God does. God has set us free through the blood of Jesus Christ, and we are to steward that freedom so others may see him. That includes stewarding our tables. Taking the tables in our home and making them invitations for people to come to know Jesus. Number two, we invite people because he is. Now, here's where I kind of struggle. My initial thought to myself is like, okay, I really don't want to invite people to my table because I don't, what if they don't like my cooking? <laughs> what if they don't like what I'm making? What if they don't like how I put this together? What if they, they're not a cilantro person, you know, like, because not everybody's a cilantro person. But if you're not a cilantro person, I just want to let you know, you are missing out. Cilantro is really nice, okay? <laughs> it is. It's so good. Just an enhancement of flavor. Anyway, there's this kind of hesitation because in our hearts and in our minds, I think sometimes we believe that there has to be some sort of perfection tied to the invitation to our tables. That we in some way, shape, or form need to perform or exemplify this idea of perfection before people can come to the table. But can I, can I, can I highlight something to you? It's actually the opposite. It's actually the opposite. It's the hope of what Jesus has done with our imperfection that people see at our tables. And when people see what Jesus has done with our imperfections, man, that's what draws people deeper into relationship with God. This idea that all of a sudden your imperfectness and all that that is, God has somehow taken it and blessed it, could speak volumes to someone who in their own imperfections feel as if they cannot approach God. Does that make sense? What if we allowed people to sit at our tables and see some of our imperfections and still see that God is good? This whole idea is we invite people because he is means that the invitation, is the, or the invitation puts the focus on Jesus rather than ourselves. It's because he is, not because of who you are. We need to be inviting people to our tables because the invitation isn't so people can measure our goodness. It's so that they can measure his goodness. You understand that? When people see your brokenness and that God is still at work, somehow, maybe somewhere in their own hearts, they start to develop this sense of hope that maybe God can take my brokenness and do something great as well. 
Paul says it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9. It says, therefore I am content with my weakness, with insults, with troubles, with persecution and difficulties for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I, or excuse me, then he is strong. Sorry, whenever, whenever I am weak, then he is strong. That's a typo on my behalf. In our weakness, the strength of God is put on display. And isn't that what it's about anyway? We spend so much time trying to Photoshop who we are so that people can like us, when really what we need to bring to the table is our brokenness so that the highlights of what God has done and the highlights of who God is can be put on full display. I tell my students this all the time. Jesus died for the real you, not the Photoshop version of you. Number three, we invite people to the banquet or we invite people because the banquet is priority. When we look at this passage of scripture, something that we all need to come to an understanding of is that the banquet is priority. The banquet is priority. The master of the house wants people there. In fact, it says this. It says, it's ready now. That the the feast is ready now in this story. And the master is looking for those whom he's invited to be present. When Jesus left this earth, he told his disciples to go into all the earth and make disciples of all nations. As followers of Jesus Christ, again, our posture is surrender. So this is what we're supposed to do. The banquet is priority. We have to start thinking in our minds about the end game, the end goal. And see our neighbors as an opportunity to invite them into the goodness of God. See our tables as an opportunity to invite our neighbors to see Jesus for who he really is. Again, the end goal is the marriage supper of the Lamb. And the marriage supper of the Lamb is simply this. It's a celebration in which the church, which is also called the bride, is united with Jesus, who is also uh, oftentimes called the bridegroom. And his love for her is celebrated with a feast. It's this united moment between Jesus and the bride. And what we want is for our neighbors to be part of this celebration. And our tables are avenues for them to see the goodness of God and be part of this invitation. The banquet takes priority. When we look at this passage, the banquet is ready and we don't have the luxury to wait until we have our stuff together to be inviting people into the goodness of God. It's not how it works. It's not how it should work. Jesus said it like this to his disciples, the fields are white unto harvest. They're ready. They're ready now. And one of the tools that each and every one of us have access to is a table to invite people into the goodness of God. And what I also love about this passage you go back and you see the servant said, we went to the city and went to the alleys and we, we invited people, but there's still room. Do you know that even though we're here in this space, guess what? There's still room. There's empty seats all around here, which tells me there's still room. We get to invite people into this incredible, incredible relationship with Jesus. And Jesus even says through this story, when it comes to the banquet, there's still room. 
So I would think we need to get to work. And one of the ways we can do that is through the tables of our own home. And last but not least, I'm going to ask Pastor Bonnie to come. We invite people to a new covenant. We invite people to a new covenant. Oftentimes, people have an understanding about God that sometimes is like scary or wrathful or like judgment. And while wrath and judgment are part of the story, what I want to highlight is the table where Jesus declares a new covenant. And in that new covenant, man, there's this hope, there's this freedom, there's this restoration, there's this power. See, the beauty about what Jesus did at the Lord's Supper was he was making a declaration of things to come. He took the bread to represent his body, this idea that he would sacrifice himself for us, that his body would receive the full wrath of God, that his body would receive the penalty for our sin. Jesus takes the cup, and in taking the cup, the cup is a representation of his blood the shedding of his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. So when we invite people to the tables of our home, a peek into who we are, a peek into our imperfections, a peek into the goodness of God despite our imperfections, we're also allowing them to see the new covenant of Jesus Christ at work. And Jesus offers himself as part of this new promise, this new covenant, that he would pay the penalty, that he would take it upon himself, that, we, that way we may be brought into communion with God. And when it comes to this table, the Lord's table, we proclaim the truths of his sacrifice, we proclaim the truths of, really truthfully, our forgiveness. And I don't know about you, but man, that sounds like good news over a good meal. Your tables have the ability to become just that. Places where good news is spoken about over a good meal. You mean I say to yourself, well, Pastor Jamal, I'm not the best cook. Thank God for DoorDash. You could DoorDash a meal in here. Ask your neighbor, hey, what do you like to eat? You can DoorDash it in. You may be saying to yourself, well, Pastor Jamal, I don't even have a table in my own home. You don't know my situation. Well, you know what you can do? You can choose a table that is already set where you don't have to do the dishes. Choose a restaurant. Choose a place where you can meet. And I dare you to make it a regular thing so that not just the people you're meeting with can see the goodness of God, but the people who are serving you can see the goodness of God as well.
God makes it very clear. He wants none to perish, but all to come to repentance. For all of us to be invited to the table. And our tables are avenues for others to be invited in. Would you bow your heads with me? Jesus, I thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to come before you, Lord, and really take a look at the tables that we have in our lives. I pray, God, that you would give us the power, give us the strength, the wisdom, the creativity to steward our tables well. That people would see your goodness in our imperfections. That people would feel loved. That people would understand the power of this new covenant, the forgiveness that comes with it. Jesus, I ask that for each and every one of us, may we take the time to allow the tables that you've placed in our lives to be stewarded well for your kingdom. And Jesus, I pray over these next few moments as we partake of your table, may we reflect on the goodness that you've poured out on us. If you wouldn't mind peeling back that top layer on your cup. Jesus, at the Lord's Supper, took the bread and gave thanks. He said, this bread is the sign of the new covenant. It's my body, broken for you. That it would receive the penalty supposed to receive. Jesus blessed it, broke it, and said, take eat in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. And in the same way he took the cup, blessed it. He said, this is a sign of my blood given as a forgiveness of sins. And that whenever we eat of the bread and drink of the 
cup. We proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. And so God, today we reflect upon the forgiveness of our sins from this cup. Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. Let us drink together. Father, thank you for your table as an example to us of your goodness, of your mercy. Lord, I pray for each and every one of us. May we take the model of your table and make it evident in our own homes so that others may come into relationship with you. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. Be a blessing. Let your tables be avenues of grace, mercy, and goodness. See you next time.